0: We're going to settle in second uh, Thessalonians 3 but I, I would like for you to go to 1 Thessalonians 4 right now first Thessalonians 4 and uh, let's look at a couple of verses and then we'll go from there first Thessalonians 4 <coughs> verses 11 and 12 <coughs> let's back up to verse 9 now as to the love of the brethren you have no need for anyone to write to you for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another for indeed you do practice it toward all the brethren who are in Mesopotamia no Macedonia but we urge you brethren to excel still more and to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, attending to your own business, and work with your hands, just as we commanded you. So that you will behave properly toward outsiders and not be in any need. Now, Second Thessalonians 3. pick up in verse 6. We'll read to the end of the chapter. 2 Thessalonians 3, beginning with verse 6. Now we command you, brethren, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from every brother who leads an unruly life, and not according to the traditions which you've received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example, because we did not act in an undisciplined manner among you, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it. But with labor and hardship, we kept working night and day so that we would not be a burden to any of you, not because we do not have a right to this, but in order to offer ourselves as a model for you so that you would follow our example. Verse 10. For even when we were with you, we used to give you this order. If anyone is not willing to work, then he's not to eat either. For we hear that some among you are leading an undisciplined life, doing no work at all, but acting like busybodies. Now such persons we command and exhort in the Lord Jesus Christ to work in quiet fashion, and eat their own bread. But is for you, brethren, do not grow weary of doing good. If anyone does not obey our instruction in this letter, take special note of that person and do not associate with him, so that he will be put to shame. Yet do not regard him as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. Now may the Lord of peace himself continually grant you peace in every circumstance. The Lord be with you all. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand, and this is a distinguishing mark in every letter. This is the way I write. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Okay. Back to verse 6. Now we command you, brethren, so we know that Paul is talking to um, this church in Thessalonica, his second letter. And he's probably the, the early, probably his first book he wrote. We've talked about that. Maybe Galatians was a little before that, but not by much. So this is early in his ministry of writing letters. And he's writing to people who are saved, who are people who know the Lord. So he now he comes out and he says, now we command you, brethren, in the name of the Lord Jesus that you keep away from every brother who leads an unruly life and not according to the traditions which you have see, received from us. If you're If you have the NIV or the ESV, uh, unruly uh, is translated idle or idleness. If you have the New King James, it says disorderly. Anybody have anything different in a different translation, maybe? Pardon? Undisciplined. Undisciplined. Okay. Thank you. So... He says, I command you, brethren, in the name of the Lord Jesus, that you keep away from every brother who leads or his idle life, idleness, and not according to the traditions you receive from us. Verse 7, for you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example. Because we did not act in an undisciplined, New American Standard says, or idle manner among you. Nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it. But with labor and hardship, we kept working night and day so that we would not be a burden to any of you. Okay, we need to define some stuff. And with the help of Mr. Google, this is what I know undisciplined, lack in discipline, uncontrolled in manner or behavior, idleness, laziness, a state of inaction, slothfulness. Disorderly, lack of organization, untidy. His life was a disorderly as ever. Now, which one of those do you want to be called? <laughs> well, Paul said. He commanded us to stay away from these people. Reputation. The belief or opinions that are generally held about someone or something. This reputation was tarnished by allegations that he had taken bribes. A widespread belief that someone or something has a particular habit or characteristic. This knowledge of this su- subject earned him a reputation as an expert. We all have a reputation. We'll pause. Okay. You're known in community, you know, in the workplace. You had people, we're gonna be late. That was their reputation. You knew people that didn't follow through with their work. In the world that I lived in with a bunch of electricians, I had guys that I knew Could bend conduit like a fair you will. I knew guys that hated to bend conduit. We have a reputation. We have a reputation for paying our bills or not paying our bills, being truthful or not being truthful, being exaggerated, on and on and on we could go. We all have a reputation. Along the same line, we have biases. What's the difference between a reputation or uh, reputation and being and having a bias? Anybody? I got what brother Google says here.
1: One something that you have yourself and the other is something that other people have?
0: If you... Okay. Prejud- prejudice. Oh that's prejudice. Not bias. Okay, let me get to bias, Max. Bias. Prejudice in favor of against one person, thing, or group as compared to another, usually in a way considered to be unfair. Cause to feel or show inclination or prejudice for against someone or something. Bias is a disproportionate weight in favor of or against an idea or a thing, usually in the way that it is closed-minded, prejudicial, unfair. Bias can be innate or learned. People may develop bias for and against an individual a group or a belief. Bias. How does it compare with prejudice? Prejudice is preconceived opinion that is not based on reason or actual experience. Give rise to prejudice in someone or make bias. Prejudice can can be an affected feeling toward a person based on their preconceived group membership. The word is often used to refer to preconceived evaluation or classification of another person. So we have reputation. And our reputation a lot of times is predicated on our prejudice and our bias. Do you all agree with that? you sure? not sure you understand.
1: I think we earn our reputation. And I think we... We have to fight off our biases. <laughs>
0: okay. But it's part of who we are. And it's part of your reputation. It's part of our reputation because of our bias. And because of our prejudice. What... To me, what Paul's trying to tell us here is that we need to be careful. And there's some people we need to stay away from. You've heard me say before in here, there's some Christians I have a hard time loving. And if you're honest, you can say the same thing. Paul is talking here. A lot of times he uses this thing about eating. And this, let's read a little bit more. We stopped in, in verse, uh, verse 8. Let me read it again. Nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it. But with labor and hardship we kept working night and day so that we would not be burdened to any of you, not because we do not have the right to this, in order to offer ourselves as a model for you so that we would follow our example. For even when we were with you, we used to give you this order. If anyone is not willing to work, then he's not to eat either. For we hear that some among you are leading an undisciplined life, doing no work, but acting like busybodies. So Paul, in many cases in his writings, he's talked about he came there not to be a burden to the people that he was leading to the lord and he worked as a tent maker he worked and here he's talking about working and eating well we we really don't have that situation here in our culture in our time Um, and yet The principle, if you don't eat, you don't work, or if you don't work, you don't eat, is as true today as it was then. And he said, some of you are busybodies. Now, define busybody to me. There you go. Which is a byproduct of idleness. Yeah. Somebody that's this is new to me but I think it's appropriate. Somebody who doesn't stay in their lane. (laughs) Felt and I bounce off of one another. She tells me you need to leave that alone. In other words, stay in my lane. Have you ever written a letter and thrown it away? Typed an email and thrown it away? Back in First Thessalonians, the scripture we read, 1 twelve of chapter four. So that you behave properly towards outsiders and not be in any need. That you behave properly towards outsiders. You know there's one thing when 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 the church can handle their own mess. But when he gets outside to the community, it doesn't do anybody any good. This congregation or somebody else's congregation, you know. We need to be careful how we conduct ourselves. And Paul said... Here, he said, "Stay away from him." Verse six, and keep away from every brother who leads an unruly life. Look down at verse fourteen. If anyone does not obey our instruction in this letter, take special note of that person. And do not associate with him so that he will put to shame. ESV says ashamed. Verse 15. Yet do not regard him as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. We've talked before about Scripture that every lost person Knows about. We've talked about John three sixteen. You know, we don't see it as much anymore. But at one time, every time a field goal was kicked, we saw John three sixteen in the end zone. But the verse now, and we've talked about this before. And uh, if you were with me in that John study, James study, excuse me. Chapter seven, verse one of Matthew. Anybody know what it says off the top of their head? Judge not, that you not be judged. Every lost person knows that scripture. Every everybody does. And Paul and Jesus Himself talks about this. And and in verse five, He tells us. You hypocrite, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Now, sometimes we've taken that scripture as being, you know, have nothing to do with anybody else. You know, there's no correction to be made. And again, in our James study, we came back there... There is, if you get right with the Lord, there is time that you can correct a brother. Um, The statement we made in James chapter 4, being judgmental is wrong. Making a right judgment is right. So there's time, if your heart is right, and if you're straight, you can go to a brother and say, Look, you're out of sorts, or whatever it is, but you need to be right. He doesn't need to come back and say, Well, Bill, you got so-and-so, and we understand that. But when you go to a brother, Matthew 18, Jesus told us how to handle conflict in the church. You go to him one-on-one and then go from there. So in the early part of Paul's ministry here to the Thessalonians, he's talking about... our reputation, our standing in community, what people think about us, and how we stand before a loving God. So, I think verse 15 keeps coming back. Do not regard him as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. We need To love one another. Jesus said that. He said, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another, that people will know that you are my disciple. Some of us, as we've said, are harder to love than others. But we still need to love one another. But we also need to understand the idiosyncrasies of us our reputation, our biases, our prejudices, everything else. And we need to stay in our lane. Okay? All right. Anything else to say about this scripture? Go ahead.
1: Grandma addressed that same idea, but she'd say, she'd say, I love him, but I don't have to like him." <laughs> yeah. 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 She felt that way about their shoes. But sometimes, yeah, it's hard to love. Them. Yeah. But
0: I do. I love them. <laughs> All right. Anything else on on this end? And with that, we'll close 2 Thessalonians. Bill, I saw
1: two parts, though. Yeah. One, if you go back, I'd like to piggyback off of maybe something you mentioned. The first part, the command. The command for us to know the difference between right and wrong. There's a time when you have to say, enough's enough. And I think that it was a message from God saying, hey, I know what's going on in here. Enough's enough. This trial and fence it ain't going to do you any good. This ignorance, this bias it ain't going to do you any good. Sometimes we get to a point, and I know there's a certain time, but we have to go and hold each other accountable in that loving way of knowing what God would have us to do. But there's going to be some people that you cannot help. Until they want to be prepared. And you need to recognize this in a brotherly way to say, listen, he's got to go. you got yeah. to go because God says, I instill in every man a conscience to know between what's right and wrong. He may become unsensitized to it, but we've got to a place in America where we're scared to say something. Yeah.
0: Y'all hear what Chance said? Thank you. Okay, we won't. There's. We could probably beat that horse a little bit more, but we're gonna leave it alone. <laughs> okay. All right. Anything else before we leave this? Okay. Now, take the uh, the handout that we gave you on minor prophets and turn in the. Tim, here's some more up here. (laughs) Behind you. Turn in the table of contents of your Bible, whatever. Turn in the table of contents of your Bible, where where you go to find out what number these minor prophets are on. you see Daniel in your your table of contents after Daniel we got twelve books that we call minor prophets now uh, they're not minor in their content they're minor because they're short and we put them in a box and we call them minor prophets. So we've got Hosea, Joel, Amos. We're not going to do those. (laughs) We're going to start with Obadiah, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, and Haggai. Those seven we're going to do in our study beginning next week. But we're not going to we're, we're not, we'll pick up those other five at another date. You know, I might not be here, but, but anyway, those, those five we're going to leave. Obadiah is 22 verses long. Jonah is 48 verses long. Micah is the longest one of what we'll do, and it's 105 verses Nahum is 47 verses, Habakkuk is 56 verses, Zephaniah is 53 verses, and Haggai is 38 verses. So you see, there's, there's, they're not very long, uh, and each of them address a particular f- issue, problem, so that's where we're going to be, and, and if Art and I figured it out, it'll probably take us through June, maybe, unless we get really short, and we'll, we'll stop sooner. But, uh, June but, of what year? Yeah, okay. <laughs> thank you, Paul. <laughs> uh, the longest time we've been in any book was we were in Isaiah one complete year so hopefully we'll be in, in these minor prophets about about six months okay turn, turn to the handout that I've given you and we're not going to spend a lot of time on this but, but uh, we start off with Obadiah um, the third paragraph the rebellion of Edom uh, uh, there and if you follow that he was a contemporary of Elisha, but the next paragraph, the Babylonian attack of Jerusalem, uh, if that's true, he was a contemporary of Jeremiah. And that seems to be the, the, the crux of the thing. Look to the last paragraph right before that. Outline. He says, since the Edomites are related to the Israelites, let me stop there. Edom, Esau they're descendants of Esau okay and he says follow that a little bit the fact that God rejected Esau no way exonerates the Edomites so that's that next page we go to Jonah Uh Uh, skip down to the one, two, three, four. It was such a time that the Lord sent Amos to Hosea to announce to the people of Israel that He would spare them no no longer. The last sentence there. During this time, the Lord also sent Jonah to Nineveh to warn him of immediate danger and divine judgment. Um. Uh, we're going to quickly see the book of Nahum was also written to the people in Nineveh, but we'll talk about that in just a... Uh, on, on page three, uh, third paragraph. As often is the case in biblical narratives, the author has compressed into a much smaller pace, uh, space. Forty verses tell the entire story. Eight additional verses are there. Uh, He says, Scope is a single uh, episode, kind of like the book of Ruth uh, that he has. The next book is the book of Micah. And uh, look to the second paragraph there. Micah prophesied sometime between 750 and 686 B.C. Now, remember, when you're looking at B.C., the bigger number is our is the earlier date. And we're backing back down toward um, um, Jesus' birth, okay. Um, he's, he prophesied sometime during this reign, the reign of Jotham, uh, Ahaz, and Zedekiah. Hezekiah uh, in Judah, therefore he was a contemporary of Isaiah. Okay, page four. Um, second paragraph, that page. The background of the book is same as found in the earlier portions of Isaiah, though Micah does not exhibit the same knowledge of Jerusalem, uh, political life as Isaiah has done. I, I forgot to, to do this up front. Turn to page nine, the last page there. Um, And look at my last comment there. This was taken from BibleStudyTools.com. And I say here the views expressed are from the editors of the Bible Study Nude Tools. And then I have edited it for our class. Uh, But the outline and everything is theirs, and the comments are theirs. I think it's good. But understand, <laughs> they might have their bias. But anyway, so anyway, uh, that's there are other things we'll bring out. What I want you to do with this document is hang on to it, and and as we move from book to book, look look at what is, at and what's here, and we'll uh, we'll go from there real quickly. Uh, the book of Nahum on page five. I told you this. This was, it's talking about Nineveh, and they in Jonah, Nineveh was spared. In Nahum, the um, uh, the the prophecy was fulfilled that that they would fall. Habakkuk, uh, page six, uh, is a small book. We don't know a lot about him, but there's some stuff in there that. That is really really good Uh, page 7 just uh, uh, right before that outline that last sentence uh, a complete commentary on the first two chapters of Habakkuk have been found in the Dead Sea Scrolls which is another proof of the authority of the scriptures that we have the book of Zephaniah uh, he was in the lineage of um, Hezekiah, and um, we'll we'll talk about that as we as we go. I'm hurrying through here. Page eight, Haggai, um was a prophet along with Zechariah to encourage the exiles to rebuild the temple. Um, so that's where we are. So hang on to this document and uh, and. And look at at it when we go back and forth with the the, the scripture. And I think, I think, I hope it'll be helpful. Not that Art and I are going to follow it, (laughs) but we're going to do our own thing. And so we'll pick up here. So next week, next week, uh, we're going to the book of Obadiah. It's okay to read ahead. Uh, So we'll pick up there for the next. Several months will be in these seven books, which we call the Minor Prophets. Any questions? Yes. Time. I just... I, I, I decided it was too long to go through all 12. Uh, we'll go back to uh, the New Testament when we get through with that. I haven't talked to Art, but... The only gospel we haven't done is Luke and I think maybe we'll go back to Luke after we get through. I just didn't want to spend that much time in it, Larry. Okay. Anything else? Okay. Thank you. Uh, as uh, Delta watches uh, cooking all day long, well, she watches it a lot. But she, she watches one lady that, that she always signs off with be salt and light. And we need to be salt and light. And watch where we are and who we are and how we present ourselves to the people around us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for loving us and being with us.